Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. What you are about to hear is the first live Q&A run by myself and Anthony Migliorino. We were talking fatherhood, we were talking spanking, corporal punishment, peaceful parenting, everything in between. But here is the audio from that session. Now, PeacefulFathers.com is the sponsor of the Family Alpha. Anthony Migliorino is the founder of that website. You can find him on all social media at Peaceful Fathers. And for those who have not been paying attention, all these episodes where I keep saying sponsored by, sponsored by, sponsored by, Peaceful Fathers is the sponsor of this podcast because Peaceful Fathers and the Family Alpha have quite a bit in common. And because of that, Anthony and I have decided to tag team on a new project we are bringing to the masses. That's right. Anthony Migliorino and I are bringing a new resource to the table to take fatherhood and peaceful parenting head on. There are a lot of dad blogs out there. There are a lot of mothers talking about peaceful parenting. There's a lot of a lot going on, but there's very few masculine influences in the parenting and fatherhood space. Anthony and I are looking to change that. So stay tuned. Check out the YouTube. If you go to the Family Alpha on YouTube, you'll find it. Or if you look at the links below this podcast, you'll find access to myself and Anthony's resources. But like, subscribe, and share, and pay attention, because next week, some big news is dropping. Without further ado, let's dive into this Q&A between Anthony Miglarino and myself, live on YouTube. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. All right, and we are live. Welcome to another question and answer with PeacefulFathers.com founder, Anthony Migliorino on the Family Alpha YouTube channel. Anthony, welcome. Good morning, Zach. Thanks for having me on again. I look forward to the conversation as always. Now, normally we're riffing. We're riffing on you know, the podcast. We're riffing on a, a private YouTube channel. Today, we got it going live. What do you think is going to be the difference between live sessions as opposed to those that we have pre-recorded? I think it's going to put us on the spot. It's going to make us uh, answer some tough questions and uh, definitely more challenging. I think it'll be a good time. We got a bunch of questions, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to diving into them. So as people start to populate and as things start to pop off, the priority is going to be given to those who are asking in the chat. So if you have your questions, ask them. We received a bunch. It was actually surprising. Normally, for me, at least, it's like five to maybe seven. And we broke double digits. <laughs> so we're at, I think, roughly 19 questions asked. So we're going to dive into those. They're on parenting, but a lot of them have nothing to do with peaceful parenting and more parenting techniques. So again, if you're watching, what we're going to be addressing is all things fatherhood, all things parenting, with a focus on the peaceful aspect, because that's where a lot of people are struggling. You know, most people know how to keep their kids alive. That doesn't mean they know how to keep them open with a healthy relationship. But we did kick this thing off early, so we've got two more minutes. So right now it's sort of a freestyle, so feel free to pop in and say what you got to say. Anthony, if you've got anything, feel free to throw it out there. Yeah, I, I want to say that these are these are important conversations. You know, we we stress this all the time, how, how important it is for fathers these days to have conversation about how to become better dads. Uh, you know, we, we do this, especially good men. Good men do this in all different areas of their lives. We, we look to improve our finances, our fitness, our relationships. 
And the one that gets most often overlooked is how we treat our kids. Are, are, our, value, our, are our values aligned with treating them properly, raising them properly, raising them peacefully? Are we treating them how we would want to be treated? Are we setting good examples? So that's why these conversations are important. You know, there, there's a lot of things we struggle every day with being a dad, being a parent. And um, if we can bring a little insight, a little hope, and make the house, make your home uh, a better environment for you and your kids, your whole family will will thrive and flourish. You know, I want to give a big shout out to Kala from Twitter, as well as Savior of Sons. Yesterday, we did a Twitter hangout with them, and we were able to engage men live. And it was just, it was wicked interesting because, A, I've never done a Twitter hangout before. But B, the questions they asked were fantastic. And all those guys who are watching, you know, maybe they didn't have the it's, – it's not the courage, but they didn't have the, the fortitude yet to ask their personal questions because when you ask a question, it's almost a position of, I don't know what I'm doing. But I think that's the whole point of it. We don't know what we're doing, you know, but we're figuring it out along the way. And there are men who have tried and tested things that have worked, and there are men who have tried and tested things that have not worked. And, you know, when you go through those, you start to learn, hey, stick with this. Let's drop that. And, you know, I just wanted to thank them. I want to thank you as well, you know, for getting me on there because that was that was an awesome experience. And to have my Saturday morning with what was it? I don't even know how many dudes were on there, but we had quite a few pumping. And it was great to see the questions asked, the dudes get involved and the concept and the discussion of fatherhood to be had in a healthy manner where men were listening. And I mean, I'm hoping applying all the content they're taking away. Yeah, no, that was that was really good. It was a good conversation, and and what a what a what an incredible idea, what an incredible concept, right? That we can raise our kids without aggression, that we can talk to other fathers, and we can say, hey, this is what I've been doing for the you know over a decade. You know, I've, I've I don't raise my voice to my kids. I don't yell at them. I don't threaten them. I don't bribe them. We actually have conversation. We talk like humans. What what a what a great way to start Saturday morning, to look ways to improve, to be a better father. Now, as people go through this, understand there's nothing off limits. You know, I actually think I created one of those, uh, the banners, we got to plug it in there. So bam, let's just drop that in there. Nothing is off limits. We're going to kick this thing off right now. Ask the questions if you've got them. We have a bunch preloaded. People are sending DMs, but in the live chat and the live discussion, I'd rather field those on the spot because you can hear us and where we stand on it. You know, I was telling Anthony, you know, to peel back the curtain a little on content creators and doing shit like this, and we just lost monetization, <laughs> doing things like this, you know, you might think that, oh, these are preloaded. These are comfortable topics they want to feel. They didn't answer the questions they didn't want to answer. That is not the case. We're answering everything we were asked. We will answer anything you ask. But if you ask it, you can get a personalized response to your situation. So I'm going to be speaking on an 11-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl Anthony, you'll be speaking on your children and their ages, which I don't know, but I should probably memorize them for future class, for, for future episodes. You know, but we're speaking from our perspective as well as what we've learned from working with others online, inside the fraternity, all these other places. But if you say, hey, my five-year-old son is doing X, Y, Z, we can immediately address you and your five-year-old son and X, Y, and Z. We can't do that if we don't know it, though. So with that, I'm going to toss the first question your way, Anthony. You know, put you on the hot seat. All right. And it's a good one, and I'm glad it went first because it really cracks the egg and you know gets this thing cooking. <laughs> what do you have to say about single mothers raising their sons and daughters as a man or men speaking on peaceful fatherhood? So I think the, the best 
way to go about this. You know, there's a lot of um, drama associated with single motherhood these days. And I don't think there's anything stronger than the family unit. So if you are a single mother or a single parent in general, um, peaceful parenting doesn't change. You you still have to apply the same principles, right? I've, my my kids are 23. My two daughters are 23, 20. My son's 15. Um, I don't raise my voice to them. I don't hit them. And, you know, this is how I live my life. So if if you're a single mother, it's going to be harder. It's going to be more difficult to raise your kids by yourself. You know, this is statistically shown. Um, but it means that you you have to be better prepared. I think it's an opportunity to educate yourself more, to to learn peaceful parenting, to learn to parent based on principles. Um, and I would say, you know, one being a man and a father, one lesson for it, what I learned with peaceful parenting is it made me improve myself, right? I, I had to start living by the principles that were important to me. I had to live by my words, right? I couldn't say that hitting people is bad and then hit my kids. I couldn't say that, you know, I, I, I believe in honesty and integrity and then lie to my children to get them to do what I want. I had to improve my standards. So being a single mother, I think that's important, right? The, the more you build yourself and the better you improve on who you are as a woman, um, I think in time you, you'll find a quality man who will want to come into your life, who will see how great your children are and they can be a part of that. And then, that, you know, that's a, another family created right there. It, it might be different from traditional, but there's always circumstances that we, you know, we go through and we can't avoid and we have to do the best we can. I agree on that. And I'll take a little bit of a different spin on it. You know, when it comes to single mothers, there's this we're, we're in a space where a lot of men have been damaged by being raised by single mothers. And therefore, the focus on the negativity of only having a mother is amplified. Everything within this men's development space gets amplified to the extreme. There are two single mothers in my mind right now. I've coached both of their kids in baseball. These moms were squared away. These, these kids had great manners. They were dressed well. They were always on time for games and practices. They were always early and they were always asking, how can I help you? So these women were crushing it. And that's not to say, oh, let's let's praise the single. It's It just is what it is. We, we need to stop thinking so binary. Now, with this question, the way I see it is we're talking peaceful fathers. Is that at the exclusion of mothers? And I don't believe it is. And I've said this a few times. Peaceful parenting is this overall you know, uh, umbrella term. Anthony, you've run Peaceful Fathers, and several times, both in the podcast and in person, I've said it's called Peaceful Fathers because your emphasis and focus is on the father because you're a father, similar to the way I speak about men. But a lot of my topics and a lot of your topics, they overlap. Just because it says dad and father does not mean that a mother cannot apply the same approach to raising their children. And therefore, I believe that Peaceful Fathers, Peaceful Parenting, all of this, you can you can toss out the damn labels. And focus on what is the message saying. I believe that a lot of mothers out there should take and apply the lessons we're talking about as a father and just do it as a mother. And that's being involved, being connected. And this isn't even for them to find a a man to bring into their life. And while I do agree that that would be beneficial, obviously you want to see a woman who's put together with, with squared away children. I think the greater emphasis is that you will have a healthy relationship and you will know that you need to find a positive male role model for your sons 
you need to find a way to interact with men in front of your daughter. And I'm not saying cycling in and out men dating. I'm just saying maybe it's professional. Maybe it's something like youth sports, but let them see how their mother speaks to other men. Maybe, maybe you are dating or whatever. Let your children see. This is how a woman composes herself. And when a man has earned that right, how she, she, she gives more, you know, some time, attention, you know, uh, and whatever you want to call it. But you let the daughter see, oh, that's what a woman should be. You let your son see that's what a good man is. A good man is, is strong. He's capable. He's confident. And then maybe that man starts to impart some lessons on them that the mother could not. But I don't think when it comes to, and people love to do this online. So I'm probably speaking to like, I'm just yelling at the wall. But for those who have common sense and for those who are normal individuals, when they hear peaceful fathers or peaceful parenting, that's for moms and dads. There's not much of a difference there when it comes to your approach outside of your personal spin. But that goes for all men. I'm a father. You're a father. We still parent differently. It's similar. It's, it's like reading from the same playbook, but you might be calling a run where I'm calling a pass. We're doing the same thing, just a little bit differently. And that goes yeah. for all the women out there. So the single mom question, I hope it wasn't angle with that political spin <laughs> because I genuinely believe there's no difference. You know, you just raise the same way differently. Yeah. Well, just to add one thing on that, think about the opportunity that you have to change the world. You're a single mom. Statistically, your kids are going to be um, at a disadvantage to kids who have families, who have a father and a mother in the home. So you have an opportunity to actually implement real change in your life with who you are and have it affect your kids positively, where, you know, we, we all complain about things that we can't control, right? We all complain about you. You have to wear a mask or you have to shut down your business. And so many people waste so much time and energy focusing on that and they can't change it. I mean, Technically, you can think about your vote and something might happen. But right now in your home as a single mom or as a single parent, you can effectively do something that will change the lives of your children and your grandchildren just by improving yourself, just by applying principles and living a better life. Now, Mr. Finn throws in the chat, don't you think we would agree that single mothers need to find a man to be an example for their sons, an uncle, a grandfather, a teacher, a coach? Yes. Yes, I believe they should. I believe that you, you should see a, what a, a good man is like. I believe both of the mom, again, the moms in my head, they had, you know, uncles involved. They had those kids had a lot of support in each of the games. And obviously I was coaching them. So they had the best goddamn youth sports coach in the goddamn planet. So those kids are set up to win, man. <laughs> like they were set up for success. But look, as a single mom, it is tougher. Same thing as single dads. You know, being a single parent is harder because you're alone. You don't have the support. We spoke about this in our last episode. You know, it's Anthony, you have a wife. I have a wife. If we have to go and do something, our wife can fill the role to support our absence in the home. Well, single parents don't have that. So they have to either build it or they can't go and do that thing. They've got to stay, which limits their growth. You know, and that's just the nature of that beast until you can find a support network. But yes, absolutely. Find a positive role model. But I would go so far as to say that even married folks should find positive role models for their kids to be introduced to. The kid's life lessons should not be confined just to mom and dad. I would love for my kids to meet you. You know, hey, this is Mr. Migliorino. You talk to him. And they're going to come back talking about taxation and crypto and, you know, how they're, 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 they're burying like silver and gold in the backyard. <laughs> like all these their lucky charms, you know. But again, I, the friends and the network I'm building are good for me. Why would I not expect that for my children? Well, it's a hard reality, right? The, the people that you keep around you are a reflection of who you are. It's the same thing with your kids. Your kids are mirrors of you. So... 
when you start to see that maybe these people shouldn't be around your kids or these people aren't that good, it's time to make changes. It's time to improve yourself. Bring up the next question. Yep. All right. How do you start your day with your kids? I'll go first in this one. We can go every other. All right. So my daughter is eight. My son's 11. The reason I went with her first is she's always the first one up. If I'm up at six, she's up at 601. If I'm up at seven, she's up at 701. She's always like, no matter when I get up, she's right behind me. She comes out and it's always the first thing we do. I give her a hug. I say, good morning, bug. That's literally how I've started every single day for as long as I can remember. She wakes up, she gives me a hug and we start our day. A lot of the times we'll sit down and we'll just talk. So we don't run to the TV to watch cartoons. That, that, not that that's a, the end of the world. But what I like to do is when I start my day is to have an alone time and sort of go over what's going on with the family. Shortly after my son will come running out, I'll give him probably a side hug or a fist bump and he'll sit down and then we'll just sit and talk. We'll talk about, all right, breakfast. We'll talk about what our plans are for the day. What do we have going on? What can, what can they expect coming into their life? You know, a lot of children, from what I see, they're not given the credit that they deserve and they're not treated like the future man and woman they'll become. I talk to my kids as if I was having a morning meeting out in the office. Hey guys, just so you know, we've got this going on in the house. So uh, from this time to this time, dad's going to be in the shed. Mom's going to be doing this. You guys can go play or, you know, grab an apple, go hang out in the back, swing in the hammock, do whatever. You know, that's, that's what we're going to do. You know, it's summertime, so there's no school, but if there were a school and there was homework, we'd wake up. I'd give my daughter the hug, give my son the hug. We'd start our day. We'd have breakfast. They're like, all right, you guys are going to start your lessons from this time to this time. You're doing this, that time to that time. I'm going to come home. We're going to go do this. And we'll just, I break down their day for them. And then I allow them to tell me, well, what would you like to do? All right, well, today I was thinking we could go to the park. I was thinking we could go to X, Y, Z. And for them, they always want to go out, they're kids. So I'm like, all right, well, we can't go to the park today, but how about we go and do this? And sort of we map out a rough sketch of what our day looks like. And then we go and we live it. And then we just start the process and the domino falls. And somewhere in there, my wife's around making coffee, making breakfast, supporting what it is we're doing. And then we all just go and do our thing. But every morning, we sort of have a, a quiet moment before the hustle and bustle where we're just sitting and having a conversation. Well, my kids are older, and I would this seems to be directed at younger kids um, because I don't really pay too much attention to what my kids do <laughs> to start their day. They're older. They're adults now. Um, well, most of them. And it's, you know what, it's hard to think back that far to think about what we actually did and how we went about it. Uh, but I could see where the, the question might be relevant, right? How do you start your day? Uh, and maybe that day starts off with being chaotic or crazy. Maybe there's rules that aren't followed or you're being rushed out the door. So I would say where, where it ties into peaceful parenting is to take the best approach that you can every morning. Right. How you interact with your kid is, is going to have a big impact on how the day goes. Try to see things beforehand. Try to get prepared the day before. If you know there's issues every day, uh, you know, try to parent with a little prevention. And uh, also just remember to remain calm. You know, if, if the mornings are crazy and they're chaotic, that is just another reason why you have to be that more grounded and and calm when dealing with your kids, right? We don't want to start the days off with screaming, yelling, threatening, punishing. 
we we do want to bring peace to the home. Um, you know, if if your kids are getting sent off to school, if they're getting sent off to daycare, um, or even if they're just going to the park to play, there's going to be people in their lives who are going to influence them, who are going to try to control them, who are going to try to manipulate them. We want to make sure that we're setting that example at home, what, what right looks like, right? What a good relationship is supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to look like. And when people who love you, how they treat you, how they speak to you, how they act with you. So I think those are the examples. We want to have that influence at our house every morning, uh, no matter how crazy it is. But, uh, you know, depending on a specific topic, there's always ways to improve when uh, things escalate. Well, think about how much of that comes down to simply getting ahead of the curve. Like you were saying, setting yourself up for success. There's a lot of families who hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, level 10 panic, get out the door, rushing, shoving a waffle in your mouth. <laughs> like that's preventable. If you simply just change your, your routine, going to bed earlier or setting an alarm and actually getting up, your mornings will be so much less stressful. And this is lesson learned, you know, as Jack and I have been, been growing in different jobs, different routines, different schedules with the kids. There were times where we're like, man, like it's just, we wake up and it's just level 10 immediately. The kids need to do this. The dogs want to do that. The cats are doing this. And we're like, ah, and we're out the door. That's not a great way to start the day. There's nothing peaceful about that. <laughs> They're going to school anxious. We're going to school anxious. Like nobody's winning. That's unsustainable. And, and because of the conversations like these, I focus on those little things. I was like, no, we got to fix this. We got to, we got to set ourselves up for success. So we just dialed it back. All right, we're going to wake up a little bit earlier. We're going to have breakfast earlier. We're going to do all these things a little bit earlier. And that way we have time to sit and chill, hang out. Like I said, do the fist bump. All right, you guys have a great day. And they walk nice and slow to the car. And I get to go <laughs> nice and slow to the shed to do some work. You know, Nobody's running around to get to where they need to go. So it's completely preventable. You just need to change your routine. You know, Life is what life is. You've got to be where you've got to be. Things have to happen. That's just the nature of being alive. But it doesn't have to be horrible. And you can make sure it's awesome by setting up a schedule that supports or is conducive to an awesome environment. Yeah. If, you're, if your house is in disorder, it's because you are in disorder, right? You, you can't have it the other way. The house can't be chaotic. And, and you know, it, it, it might be noisy. It might be out of control a little bit, but that's okay. It's how you respond. So if, if you are centered and if you're calm, right, if you're showing the example, like you said, waking up early, having a routine, your kids follow you. So if, if things are out of line, first place to look is at yourself. You know, in the chat, it's not really a question, but it's something I want to build on. So Greg K says he, it's good stuff, you know, especially for his child who's going to daycare, but a more structured and relaxed morning would help. And I agree. This isn't something that it's just middle school and up. This isn't just elementary. This is from the beginning. Your, your infant, your toddler, even if they're going to daycare where they're going to be around, you know, very high tempo energy. If you could get them a, a half hour of peace before you had to leave, not before you had to be there. I'm not talking about the car ride to the daycare. 30 minutes at home. So you've done all the things prior to that point. 30 minutes to sit and play, but let them be aware. You know, a lot of kids push back on going to school. They push back on going to daycare. If you had those 30 minutes and in that you were having that discussion, hey, you're going to go play with your friends. What a great time it's going to be for you to go and hang out there. I'm going to go to work. And I'm going to do I'm going to go do this big sale. I'm going to go, you know, play in my computer and do whatever at work. It's a kid. So just tell them whatever you want. I'm going to go save the day. But when I come home, I can't wait to see you and hear, you know, how, how you got to play with your friends and what you got to do. So we're going to go and you're going to go play there. I'm going to go to work, but I'll see you later. 
All right. And then now you're nice and happy. You can jump in your car, you can cruise, and then you can go and just do your thing. When you pick them up, tell me about your day, bud. You know, how did it go? And just make them feel like, you know, over the moon because their dad has stories for them and they have stories for their dad. Yeah. And Greg mentioned that he gets anxious um, about daycare and everything. So I, I truly believe that peaceful parenting uh, could be a big help and support in reducing anxiety. You know, we, we have so many kids now that get anxious really quick um, over little things. So, again, that's that's the foundation. When when your kid is having a genuine problem, when their brain is getting over overworked or overreactive because they have to go to daycare, you're rushing them out the door. They might be uncomfortable there. When you take a few minutes just to take a step back and connect with your kid, instead of telling him, well, this is what we have to do. This is how life is. Life is tough, right? You know, I don't want to go to work. Now you have to go to daycare. And, you know, sometimes you have to do things that you don't like. You're planting seeds of anxiety in your kid's brain. And when you take that step back and you comfort him and you look to connect with him, then he can start to look forward to go to daycare. He can see it as a challenge. He can see it as something that, you know what, he, he might enjoy it. Or, you know, dad's, dad's not stressed out about this, so maybe I shouldn't be. So it's, it's always be the example. You have that power as a father to set the tone every morning. Well, I think it does play to the point, too, you know, that I'm famous for quoting of you. The world is crazy. The world's going to be hard on your kids. They're facing a lot. They're facing extreme things in school that are beyond things that I faced in school. And obviously, I faced things that were beyond my parents. So that's just sort of how it goes. Each generation has their battles. But with everything going on, you can see there is a... a it's a high tempo rate of information, of growth, of things just happening and changing 24-7. What are you allowed to say and not allowed to say? What are you allowed to do, not allowed to do? You don't know by the day. You're kind of figuring it out. And if they're going from a an environment like that, that's always shifting, that's that's nothing's really permanent. They're trying to just navigate their way with their friends, just have a normal life. And then they come home and things are still shifting and moving around. Well, they have no safety. They have no stability to lean upon, no foundation from which they can build themselves. Like that's your job as a parent have a stable home, to have nice connection, peace, unity. When they walk in that door, everything from the world could fall off their shoulders. They're safe. They're good. They have loving parents who are there for them to have those conversations, to sit and talk about the things that most people don't allow them to talk about. Let them get it off their chest. Let them say, hey, here's what's bothering me. And when they let that out, it's no longer being held up here. And that pressure like decreases. It's like deflating the balloon, you know? But if you don't ever give them that opportunity or they don't feel comfortable talking to you because every time they do, you tell them to shut up. You tell them, oh, you got a girlfriend. Look at you. And well, I can't talk about dating. You know, oh, you know, I, this happened at school. You get bullied. Oh, you know, you're a tough guy. Why don't you go learn how to. And then you start teasing your kid. They lose the, their outlet. They lose their ability to speak and to vent. And that pressure just gets amplified. So they're getting screwed at, out in the world. They're getting screwed when they're in the house. And eventually they're just going to say, fuck it. They're going to throw their hands in the air and they're going to say, this is too much. And then, then they need medicine. Then they're self-harming. Then they're going through these things. I don't know who I am. I don't know my self-worth in life. And that's where you see a lot of really, really unfortunate and preventable cases where the individual loses themselves. And, and that's when they turn to, well, who does love me? Who welcomed me? Well, who's always welcoming people? People that want misery. Misery loves company. Come on to this gang. Come on to this group. Come on over here. We'll love you. But you've got to change a little bit. Hey, try this drug. Try that thing. Try this. You know, Change your personality. Get rid of your gender. Do whatever you've got to do to fit in with us because we love you. 
and your parents don't and society doesn't and nobody else does, but we got your back. And that's how you lose your child. Yes. Yeah. You have to do what we say. We'll accept you if you do it, if you do what we say. And, and that's how a lot of parents treat their kids. So everything you just said, man, that, that hits hard, Zach. It, that's so many of us probably still suffer with these issues as grown adults, right? We don't know who we are. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we want to do because we never had acceptance as a small child. We, we were never allowed to have that safe place, that home, that environment where we could feel comfortable being who we genuinely and truly were. Um, yeah, man, I, I think you nailed it. That is a solid point. I try, brother. I've been learning from the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. You're fielding this first. What do you do when your child misbehaves in public? A restaurant, a cookout. Now, I know your kids are older, so let's let's bring it back a few years. <laughs> if they misbehave now. Um, I guess <laughs> Tell them they got the bill and you walk out. <laughs> yeah, they're paying. Um, well, again, first thing is prevention. So, you know, if, if you know that your child is in a bad mood or is going to be disruptive, don't simply don't go out. You know, this could be anywhere. Um, you know, even if you had to go food shopping, right? Don't force your kid to go with you just because something needs to be done. There's always a, a better way. Um, there's always a different time you can do it. There's always way maybe you can get a babysitter or you can get a family member to help out. But when you get when you're out in public and your child misbehaves, he's not or he or she is not doing anything against you. It has nothing to do with you. So I think that's the first step is to realize that they your child is a real person. They have feelings, they have emotions. And even more so, they can't control them the same way that we would as adults. So misbehavior is not a lash out or an attack against you. It's your kid being uncomfortable. And you know, when, when a child misbehaves when they're a baby, they cry, right? If they need a, uh, to be fed or they need a, a diaper changed. And we don't see it as misbehaving. We see that, hey, they actually need something from us. So let's let's help them. Let's give it to them. When they start walking and they start talking, we, we call it misbehavior. We call it temper tantrums. Um, and I, I think it's the wrong way to go about it. Uh, I, I think when you love people, when you're connected to people and they have something that you can give them, if there's a need, you have to provide that the best way you can. Um, if your child is constantly misbehaving in public, I think that you just need to take them out of the environment. Find a time when you when you don't have to be there with them, right? You don't have to bring them to the restaurant. If it's a cookout or it's out in public with uh, friends and family, I, <laughs> the harsh reality is your kid's misbehavior might be a reflection of how you're treating them. So it's hard to feel comfortable around people where you don't feel secure, you don't feel safe. Um, so, you know, like I said, everything comes back to prevention. Everything comes back to peaceful parenting, parenting with principles. Um, and to, to be honest, I do not remember a time where my kids misbehaved out in public other than when they were probably really small and had a lot of energy and were learning to walk. And, you know, I would walk around the restaurant with them or my wife would, or their grandparents. It, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but I think more of if that happens and it causes you issues or problems, it, it probably has more to do with you than them. You know, I didn't expect you to go with the be proactive, though I should have. But you stole my answer, man. <laughs> so I'm trying to sit here and think of something. I'm like, oh, well, he already said that. But I mean, honestly, that's the answer. 
you know, you're, you're as proactive with this as you can be. Rarely do you go to a cookout or a restaurant with a kid who's super happy and calm and sitting there like ready to go. And then they get there and they're like a tornado. <laughs> like, like there's a, many indicators prior to that occurring. So let's be honest here. You, you might be bringing a kid into a situation that you want to go to and they don't. And you're, why are you upset that your kid is cranky? You know, you're partying and it's midnight and they're six years old. They should be in bed. You're doing this for you. They're not, they're not going out of their way to mess with you. They're a kid. Do not, do not strip that of them. Give them their childhood. They are a kid. Let them act like a child. A child wants to go to bed before midnight. A child doesn't like loud music and screaming and partying and people t- doing shots and falling over tables. Like that's not what an environment for a child is, you know, and I'm, obviously that's extreme, but even, even a summertime cookout, you know, if it's hot as hell and you're out there and your kids are miserable and there's nothing for them to do and they're, well, let's go play. Well, there's nothing to do. All right, then just sit there. All right, then just let them sit. Like, don't keep prodding your kid. Go do something. I want you to go do something. Like, just maybe they don't want to do anything. Allow them to do nothing. Don't force them to go play with the kids. Maybe they don't like those kids. You don't like adults. You don't hang out with adults you don't like. You want your kid to be like, you should go hang out with them. Those guys are assholes. You should go hang out with them. No, that's not how that works. But for some reason, we're not able to, to objectively look at ourselves from the outside and assess the individual. We're like, no, you're a child. You'll do as I say. And it's never, you're a person who's going through things just like me. I'm a person going through things. I was, when I'm tired, dude, I'm not going to go out shopping. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to sit and read a book. Like, you're not going to send me to stop and shop or any store to go get some food shopping done if I'm pissed off or if something's going on. It's just That's just not going to happen. So why would we say, hey, kid who's having a horrible day, come sit in the car with me and then come sit in a carriage with me or come walk with your hand on the carriage and be totally pumped up and happy and support what it is I'm doing. No, that's bullshit. That's you forcing your child to a situation they do not belong in. And if you do have to go and do something, I would say sit down and break it down with them. Hey, bud, we have to go to this this dinner. It's for a wedding. It's for whatever we got to do. I know you're not hungry. I ate too. You're going to sit next to me. We're just going to hang out. We're going to chill. Dude, I've had these conversations. Hey, you know, son and daughter, I don't want to be here either. (laughs) But here we are. So you're miserable. I'm miserable. But we're going to be miserable together. And I promise you, as soon as we're done with this event, we're all going to go to the pool. We're all going to go and do this thing over here and have a great time. Maybe we'll find some mini golf, whatever. And they're like, all right. My dad is miserable. <laughs> We're miserable. We're not going to give my dad a hard time. He's not happy. He's not going to give us a hard time because he knows that he's not happy or we're not happy. So let's just all get through this together. And that's the ways that I've found to get through stuff I don't want to do and I know they don't want to do. But that proactive approach is like you you know your child. You should know your child better than anybody. You should know exactly what it is you're walking into. And if your kid is just not there and it's not their day, A, <laughs> Find something. Hey, take a rain check. Sorry, we can't make it. You know, little Timmy's not feeling too good. Or B, if they're old enough, break it down to them to let them know. I understand you're not feeling too hot. We can go there, sit there and just chill. Soak in the AC. I know you're hot from whatever you had to do today. You can hang out. And then afterwards, we're going to do something together. Those conversations I don't see happening enough. That that perspective of giving the child there again, back to being a future man, a future woman, a future adult. That's never really given to kids. And I think that's a detriment to these outdoor things because that's how you get the blow ups at the restaurant. That's how you get the, the cookout disasters. So I would say just sit down and just enjoy it, you know, and kids are kids, you know, they're gonna have bad days and that's okay. Yeah, I would, I would also add that, you know, we have a lot of fathers or you speak to a lot of men, a lot of fathers, and they're real quick to 
point out what their kid does wrong or force them to do what they don't want to do. But in the same light, they, they don't have that assertiveness out in the real world, right? They're submissive to their boss, to their wife, and they're easily controlled in all other areas. So you, you have to realize that, that power grab there, um, you know, just because they are your kid doesn't give you the right to over control them and force everything on them, right? What, what you want them to do. We have, to, you know, you spoke before about how we kind of, through compulsion, we erase who our kids are, right? We keep telling them what to do, what not to do. And I think that minimizes who they are, right? If, if your kid doesn't want to go somewhere and you constantly tell them, well, it's too bad, like, you know, life is tough. You have to do this. You have to go here. Sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. All you're, all you're doing is minimizing who they are. <clears throat> so as they get older, again, they're not going to know who they are. They're not going to know how to trust themselves. They're not going to have that intuition to, to say, hey, is this really good for me or is this bad for me? Or should I just do it because somebody else wants me to? So it, it's um, something that we as fathers, as men, we should think about. We should definitely understand that our kids need us to be compassionate, to understand what they're going through, to empathize with them, to be able to say, all right, here's a five-year-old kid who doesn't want to do something. If I was five years old and somebody was trying to approach me, what would that look like? What, what could I do? How could I be convinced? Right? How could somebody give me a good argument or, give me, or make me feel good about doing something that maybe I didn't want to do? Instead of just saying, do what I say. So, you know, that's something that I, I want to directly address because it's never met enough. This does not get enough attention. So, we're going to highlight it right here, right now. <laughs> All of these parents, I put a blast out a while ago saying, you should not tell your child because I said so. That is, that should never leave your mouth. Do this because I said so. And I had a lot of pushbacks from these, I'm an alpha man, alpha dad, my kids do as I say. Then, why do you think your child should stand up to the government when they say, because I said so? If their whole life they have been told blind obedience to authority is the way you operate. Your dad said so because he's in charge. Why, when the government who's in charge is saying, you must wear a mask, you must do this, shut down your business, etc. Why would they say, no, now I'm going to plant my flag and now I'm going to stand my ground? Hell no. That revolutionary spirit was beaten out of these children. And this is not an argument pro against masks. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your independence. It has to do with you as an individual standing your ground. My kids question me constantly. <laughs> and it's cool because I answer them constantly. And I, I frequently get the question, especially from military guys, do you think your son's going to follow in your footsteps? Because it's sort of a, that's a thing. You know, there's legacy, there's tradition there. It's, it's something that's, it's run strong in the military, you know, folks out there. And I honestly don't think so. I was raised, and you brought this up, and it actually I thought you were talking to me. So we'll address that a little bit. But you shared something about how the military is great for people who had very strict boundaries and guidelines and, and somewhat oppressive upbringings. That was me. I did a fucking amazing in the military because I was very used to do the orders all the way through, give your best in something. So I had both a very competitive personality, but I also, that's how I was brought up, man. I was brought up in that window of do this, don't do this. So following orders for me is extremely easy. I had no question as to why. I just did the thing. My son asks a lot of whys, and I, I encourage that. I foster that. My daughter as well. So for them to thrive in that environment, maybe, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I'm not, I'm not pushing for or against. I'll let them do their thing. But I could see it being much more difficult for him and his experience. Do this because I said so? 
Oh, hell no. <laughs> my dad told me that I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm going out into the world to win. You know, he prepared me to go and thrive. He didn't prepare me to go into the world to obey. So it's going to be an interesting thing for him as he grows. No, that's a good point. And I'm, I'm going to definitely add something to that, Zach. I, I So when we teach our kids from a young age to think, to question, right, to to not just follow orders, they learn to think critically. They learn to understand concepts and ideas and they learn to navigate life better, right? They'll, they'll have, you know, the, the best way to, to teach a kid how to, to, um, to think is by letting them think. When he gets older, um, if he wants to join the military, you know, the, the military is, is there for a reason. You voluntarily join the military and you accept to take those orders. So it's a lot different from the home, right? When you're a kid, you don't say, hey, I'm going to join this family and listen to everything my parents say. No, you're born into the world. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to think critically. You don't know how to you know, wipe your own butt. So you need your parents to help you with that. So you, you should question it. You should have some say in, in how you're treated as a person. When you join the military, you fully agree. Hey, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go kick some ass and I'm going to let people treat me however they want. I agree to that. And it's going to make me stronger. When you're young, that doesn't make you stronger. All that does is minimize who you are, like we said before. It makes you weaker because now you're, you're, not, um, you're not able to understand exactly what it is that you need from other people. You're not, you don't understand about relationships. You don't really understand about anything if all you're doing is being hit and beaten down and minimized and threatened and punished. So, You once said, and we do have a question I'm going to bring up on in-laws, but before that, you once said, you know, about raising the next nice guy. If you're raised in an environment where strict adherence to the law and doing what it is that will please the masters, if you will, is their, their operating mode, it's no wonder that all these men getting into relationships are struggling as bad as they are. You know, they their whole focus is on making their, their spouse or making the other person happy. <clears throat> happy. I'm going through puberty. You know, it's making them good. It's keeping them in a window where they're like, all right, this is stable and you're not going to get mad at me. You're not going to yell at me. You're not going to hit me. And we see a lot of men, you know, we talk about, you know, putting the pussy on the pedestal, <clears throat> things like that, where the, these guys, that's their operating mode. Keep the, the overlord happy. Keep the people around me happy. Let me follow the orders that will keep you where you want to be. You want this? I'll do this. You want that? I'll do that. At no point are they, they walking. And I, I, I pray to God. You know, the, the 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 discussion here is really being hit because this is very serious shit. Like when you go out there and you fan that in your kids, they're like, this is what I need. This is what I want. And that's different from what you want. And that's OK. We'll meet in the middle. My son plays baseball. I played football. I coach his baseball. I did not force him to put a helmet on. That's his life to live. This is my life to live. We've got to separate that. You will do all the things I want you to No, man. Maybe they want to do something different from what you want to do. Allow them to make choices different from the choices you wanted to make. Allow them to go and become their own individual person because that individual person will know what their wants are in life, what their needs are in life. And when they're in a relationship, they will have done the vetting and, and the courting, if you will, to find someone who fills that role for them. So that way it's a mutually beneficial relationship as opposed to I will do what you say, ma'am. And then they're like, just stepped over because you lose respect. You know, you lose attraction. You lose all the things that make a man what he is, you know, that make a man a king. You lose all of that because you've, your whole mode is other people. There is no self. 
Listen, man, it's wild how so many do not see it, how it's ignored. Um, you know, and as men, when you when you speak about those guys, the nice guys, the men who submit easily or let their wives control them, the reality is these are just guys who are still suffering from their childhood. But we have so many parents who still advocate for strict punishment, for physically hitting. Um, and we don't make the connection. We don't see how we're conditioning our kids to be these nice guys, to be these men who are weak, who who are easily manipulated and controlled. So it, it needs attention. It needs, you know, the, the men who have gone through it or who are going through it, they need to to speak up. They need to express what's happening with them. They need to understand that, yeah, you can go to the gym every day for a year, but that's not going to fix the shit that you're running from, that you're hiding from. And to understand that and deal with it, you need to be able to heal from that. You need to be able to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I was mistreated as a kid. Maybe my childhood wasn't that great. And that's okay. I can't go change it. But what I could do now is start taking steps to become a better man. So maybe when I do have kids or if I have kids now, I'm not inflicting the same bullshit on them, right? I'm not pushing trauma on them. I'm not physically hitting them. I'm not destroying their childhood because I can't escape the trauma from my own childhood. So it, it's it's tough, man. It's a heavy subject. All right. We've got a question in the chat regarding in-laws. How do you handle interfering in-laws? So I'm thinking, you know, the mom or dad are trying to jump in on the parenting techniques, trying to jump in on the bedtimes, what to eat, what's the right way to educate, all these things. So I'll be very upfront. My parents and my in-laws, they've not taken this approach. I've not had to deal with this literally once in my life. So Anthony, you might have a better experience with it, but my in-laws, they they see what we do and they support it. And they're like, man, you guys are crushing it. And my parents, the same thing. They're like, you guys are, are very high tempo. So both Jackie and I are looking to take what we were given as kids and bring that to the next level. So, so we're doing more of what we, we both appreciated about our upbringings and we're filling in the gaps of the things that we didn't appreciate. And we're trying to do things differently there. And our parents see that. So both sets of parents are, are fully supportive because they see a lot of what they did and us carrying that on. And they're, they're overlooking anything that, that, did, that didn't jive that we dropped. So they're like, yeah, go for it. So they've been 100% supportive of what we're doing. But I will say your, your in-laws input is to be heard, but it does not need to be acted upon. And I would not be disrespectful about it. You know, I would say, I hear you. I see you. But here's how I'm running my family. Now, there's a lot. Culture is huge in this. I, I think depending on your culture, it depends on the severity of what, what, what are their, what's the book they're reading from? Because when they were bringing up, maybe the grandparents had the final say over the parents. So now they're trying to operate this new world and they're not trying to be intrusive. They're just coming from an angle that that's what they know. And that, that is their normal. And anything different than that sort of goes against their reality. So they're just not understanding as much as trying to be disrespectful or anything like that. Yeah, no, 100%, man. Uh, in-laws are tough. Parents are tough, especially as you go through this process. But like you said, I, I think it's you, you definitely take the good. Right, whatever good you get from your childhood, from your parents, you got to emphasize that, appreciate it. Um, but the the things that weren't so good, you also have to give some attention to that, because this is how you grow. This is how you you break cycles, and you make sure you don't pass it on to your kids. Um, but in reference to the question, so 
<clears throat> I would say that what I teach my kids about relationships and like how to deal with people and different opinions, we, we always have to have our voice. We always have to say what we mean, right? Be, be a person of integrity. And when, when you're around, if, if the question is directed at in-laws, so if they're interfering with parenting and you say, hey, this is how we're doing things. If people do not accept, if the people you have in your life, if they do not accept how you feel or how you think about something that's important, I tell my kids, you don't have a relationship with them. It's not real. So don't waste time with it. And I know it sounds harsh because if it's an in-law or a grandparent, but th to me, the truth is, is we, we have to put our time and energy into people who care about us, people who are going to willing to have the conversation, people who are willing to listen and say, hey, these, this is how I raise my kids. I need you to respect that. And if you get criticized, if you get sarcasm, if you get mocked, if you get, you know, um, just people who get angry with you because you have a stance, those might not be people that you, you need to have that conversation with or you want to build relationships with. So I, I think sometimes you, you do need time away from people who are going to bring you down. Um, and this doesn't just apply to in-laws. This is just, you know, I said, I tell my kids this, anybody they bring into their life to build real relationships, you have to fully express who you are. You have to take pride in who you are and you have to put it out there. And if people don't accept that, don't be somebody else. So they will accept you. That's not real. That's not a relationship. So ties in a little bit with in-laws, but I think it's just general advice with the people that you, you bring into your life and you choose to have those battles with. All right. Next question. It is, we got a freaking list, man. I got to scroll down. <laughs> All right, Zach. Damn it. Right to me, man. <laughs> You've shared that you were raised Catholic, yet your children are not baptized. Why? That's a really good question. I was raised Catholic. I was one of the speakers for my confirmation class. I've read the Bible cover to cover twice because I thought that's what you did. If you're going to base your life around something, you, you're all in on it. I was a very believing child. So I went through that and then I had a lot of questions. A lot of things happened and people didn't want to answer questions. And I saw people behaving Saturday or sorry, Monday through Saturday in a way that was not in alignment with how they behaved on Sunday for an hour. And that, that didn't jive with me. It always confused me as a kid is because if you're on, you're always on like, if this is real, this is, this is all the way real. And the more questions I asked and the more behaviors I saw, the more I saw misaligned with church and with my understanding of the faith. So I sort of stepped away from the faith to the point where I became almost like a militant atheist. I was like, no, there's no God, no religion. It's all indoctrination. Bah. You know, if you can't see the benefit of religion, you're being intentionally obtuse. There, there is a benefit to it, you know. And I, I couldn't at that time. It was, it was just me growing. Maybe it was me going through my metamorphosis of self. I've shared how joining the military changed me as a man, you know, forever, and I'm forever grateful for that. And this happened during my time in the military, so it was probably an evolution of self. But it was all before kids. So then my son was born, my daughter was born, and I made the intentional decision that I'm not 100% sure on this faith. And there's no way I'm going to bring my children into a faith I'm not 100% sure on. Now, right now, I'm sort of on a path. I've got, I'm, I'm wearing a La Salette cross as we speak. So I'm, I'm kind of going through my little journey here with, with, with religion, with faith, and all these things. But I'm not there yet. And I don't want to set my kids on a path, a lifelong path, for somewhere I'm not sure what the destination is. 
So the path I've shared with them is the one that's more beneficial. It's the one where you should be asking questions. I answer their questions on what are mosques, what are these temples, what what is Catholicism, you know, what what are all these things? What is Christianity? We talk a lot about God, the gods, all these different things, you know, the Greek gods. We we go down the path of where we've come from, you know, where we're going. They ask me what I believe, and I've I've shared it with them. But ultimately, I believe it's their choice to decide their path. And if my son comes to me and he's like, hey, I saw this Buddhist monk and I really align with all these things, I'm not going to be like, "You're Buddhist. we're not going to do Buddhism. You're not one of those guys sitting on a temple. No. I'm like, all right, let's go talk to the head dude. Let's go find our local, like who the head dude is that will talk to us. And let's go and have this conversation. And, and if you're still comfortable and you ask all these questions and they answer it and that's where you want to go, hey, fist bump, go shave your head, throw on, you know, the orange jumpsuit and get after it, man. <laughs> if my daughter says that she wants to become whatever, dude, I'm going to support it. It's it's their life to live. It's their journey. Those are their souls. And I, I see the argument from fathers and family men who say, no, this is my faith. I should bring my children into my faith for the salvation of their souls. I understand their point, but they are all in on that faith. They truly believe in it and they believe they're doing what's best for their kids. I don't feel that. So therefore, I can't say that. So you, I get your argument, but we aren't the same. And there's no way I'm going to do something just because it's promoted or accepted by, by the masses or what it's the good thing. Dude, if I go baptize my kids and throw that on Instagram or, or Twitter, look, oh, it's going to blow up. Oh, praise, great things. Hallelujah. That's not what right looks like. You don't do shit for those reasons. If this is real, if you're really playing this game, you go, you go all in on that thing for your child. Not for you to feel better like you did the right thing, but for them. And for me, I'm not there yet, which is why even though I'm kind of questioning and walking my path, my kids are not put into any faith right now. Well said. I'll leave it at that. That was your question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. Like, next episode, to, I'm going to make sure somebody ask Anthony a hard just, one. <laughs> no, just just to add, with my kids, um, I let them make the decision what religion of faith they're going to choose. I don't force anything on them. I have my ideas. Same way I wouldn't force them into a political ideology. I, I, I give them the freedom to choose what they want to do. Uh, you know, and, and if if the purpose is, you know, with baptism or, you know, salvation and to save your kids, they got time, it, you know, in the future, if they want to change their their direction in life, it's fully up to them. So my thing is just to not fo- use force to make your kids adhere to what you think is best for them. And, uh, you know, religion comes into play with that. All right, next question. Can you really stop a temper tantrum peacefully? So since I had the the religion one, I'm tossing this your way. (laughs) Prevention, prevention, prevention. Uh, Temper tantrum is a reaction. We spoke about it before. Um, In the moment, can you you stop it peacefully? Uh, I would... Say probably yes. It, it depends, right? Every every circumstance is different. If your kid's in danger, um, and or a threat to himself or somebody else, yeah, you you have to intervene, right? We're bigger, we're stronger, and uh, we can we can restrain our kids easily. It we should be able to. If you if you can't, you, may, you might have to do some uh, physical activity, get your weight up. But um, 
the the peaceful answer to tempo tantrums is to be prepared is to know what your days look like you know if, if the temper tantrum is in regards to something that happens every day you need to do better as a parent it, it's your job to see things coming it's your job it's your job to see that we have the same problem every day how can we solve this problem before it happens tomorrow so it, it's there's nothing that's going to come quick but as you, you know, normally how we handle a temper tantrum is we get upset, we get frustrated, we get angry, and then our kids get, you know, even worse, right? They, they don't, all they really want to do is be connected to us and have somebody understand them, but we keep pushing them away because we can't handle it. Um, so the, the best thing to do is remain calm, to have patience, to, and, you know, these are all virtues. These are all things that you have to build up within you as a man. You, you can't just, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to overreact. You have to do things that are good for you, that are going to give you self-control, that are going to make you um, not flip out and not resort to the same childish behaviors that you see in your kids. So the peaceful approach is always prevention. Uh, know what you're getting into. Have plans before things happen. And uh, just be ready. Be prepared. You know, I'm thinking of all those uh, like YouTube videos you see of the kid getting killed in Call of Duty or whatever, and he throws his controller through his TV. Like, if you don't address it early on, it doesn't go away. That inability to, to process intense emotions, you know, it's it's not the best thing. <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not the best look to see a 17, 18, 19-year-old man, 20-plus-year-old man smashing televisions because the video game didn't go his way. You know, like, that that's just unacceptable. And, and it goes all the way back to, well, how were you parented? And I guarantee those kids, those men, quote unquote men, were those kids who were just like having those freakouts in the middle of stores and, and when you were out. You said something there though about if the child's gonna run into the street or something. And I shared that I don't hit my kids. And somebody said, Well, what if what if they're running into the street? What if? Like I love these scenarios. If my son as a toddler was gonna sprint into the street. I'm not going to grab him and then spank him. Damn it, kid. I'm going to I'm gonna catch him so he doesn't run into a car. Like, I'm going to save him from the road. I'm like, hey, buddy, let's not do that. In the same way, I'm going to say, hey, bud, don't jump off that rock into that thing because I don't know what's over there. Or don't climb into the, the lion's cage at the zoo. These are things that I've got to keep you safe from until you're aware. Like, that's a bad idea. Yeah. But to say, oh, let me hurt you because you almost made a mistake. That's what a horrible approach. Like your kid doesn't know they're just being a kid. And like, I'll, and again, maybe I should start naming the damn show. Allow your kids to be kids because three-year-olds, two-year-olds, four-year-olds, these children are being children and getting physically hit for it because they want compliance or obedience to a different standard. And the kid's like, well, fuck, did I, was it running to the road that got me spanked? Or was it the fact that I ran that got me spanked? Like what? I don't even know why I'm getting hit. But if I go to the road, it's not because there's cars there. It's because my dad will hit me. Their their perspective on what is right and why they should or should not do the thing is so skewed because it's not like I'm I'm not going to not lie because the truth is important. I'm going to make sure I don't lie or get caught lying because then my dad will yell at me. Well, that's not building a good person. That's building a sneak. That's building somebody who's going to learn to be manipulative and, and, and kind of swim through the lines of keeping other people content and happy as opposed to a person who has more virtue and it's like, I tell the truth because there's value in the truth. And it's good to let people know where you stand. Not because, oh, dad's going to come and bend me over and grab a belt and whoop my bare ass because I, I made a mistake as a kid. Like these are, 
That's literally what we're doing. So let's just call it what it is and stop beating around the bush. Oh, spanking. No, you're pulling pants down, putting your hand on their bare ass because they made a mistake as a child. That's completely unacceptable. And that's not the right way to build a healthy relationship. But when it comes to breaking the temper tantrum, I really like what Greg said. You know, when my kids would freak out, I would, I would always just pick them up, hug them and all right, we're going for a walk. <laughs> we we got to reset, buddy. You know, and not like you said, I would go as far as to say 9.9 times out of 10. It's because we were somewhere we should not have been with that kid. We It was hot. My kid, he skipped his nap, you know, and we're going to the cookout. We had to go to this event and my daughter, you know, was having, she had a, Joseph feeling good. You know, you, there's so many freaking situations with kids. Like parenting isn't easy. And reading a child and learning to navigate what, what's right and what's wrong, it comes with a lot of failure. You just got to learn from those. And the more you learn from the mistakes that you made, like, oh shit, like, if he skips his nap, let's not go to another nice event. Let's just stay home and like order some food if we really want to go out. You start to get better. And that's the whole thing. Again, my kids are 11 and 8, and I'm still working to get better at all these things. It's continuous improvement. But And the reason why we're running this show, the reason why we're doing what we do, and the reason why Anthony and I have any platform at all when it comes to this is because people are looking for it because they're still wondering. There's not much out there. There's, there's finance. There's fitness. There's sex. There's all these things. Very rarely is somebody like, I want to be a better dad. I want to invest in becoming a better father and learning to new techniques and new approaches and watching videos on this, you know, but we're starting to see a small shift because we're shoving it down your throat. <laughs> like There's no alternative. This is happening. And we're going to change the course of this by continuing to talk about it, which is why a Q&A like this that's live is going to continue going forward. So you can see in your personal situation, how can you be a better dad and stop pointing at the kid like they're the problem and accepting I'm the solution. Let me fix this. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's like I said earlier, man, it's a conversation that needs to be had. Fathers need to talk about how we can raise kids. And I'm not just talking, you know, most fathers say, oh, well, my kid's 13, he's 15, right? I got to initiate him. I got to go take him in the woods and we got to go hunting. We got to kill something. Well, what about the 15 years before that? Where were you and what were you doing? How were you implementing masculine virtue into your son, showing your daughter what a what a um, virtuous man looked like at those young ages. This is where the influence is the most prominent. Yeah, when they're 15, you can teach them whatever you want, right? You can teach your son to shoot a gun, to you know ride a dirt bike, whatever it may be. But the, the most important influence we're going to have is when they're young, the first five years. This is noted everywhere in psychology and parenting. The first five years are the most important. We need to shape and mold their brains. And we we need to make sure we do that peacefully. We need, need to make sure that we treat them better than anybody else in the world. You wouldn't hit anybody else. You wouldn't accept people yelling at you in your life. Let's give that to our kids. Let's stop hitting them. Let's stop yelling at them. Let's stop manipulating them. Let's stop forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. Let's become better dads. And that's why we have this discussion. Because it is important, um, you know, that there is way, there's a lot more advice on parenting from women. Uh, there's not a lot of outlets for fathers to go to that not only are peaceful, but that are effective, that are action, you know, we're giving you actionable advice where you can go out into the world and you can make changes in your home. You don't have to worry about who's going to be elected if it's going to be Biden or Trump. You have the power to change what happens in your home right now today by the way you interact with your kid and that's something that cannot be messed with 
So we're at the hour mark, and I think now is a great time to drop a little bit of news. This is the last time you will see Anthony and I together under the TFA banner. We will no longer be doing any work together under the Family Alpha when it comes to fatherhood or parenting. Not because we're throwing in the towel, but because we have a new resource and a new project coming down the pipeline. That is to be released. So this is as much as I'll tell you now. But stand by because everything Anthony just said, we are bringing this shit to the next level. And there will be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to parenting from a masculine perspective. So stay tuned. You heard it here. And now we're diving into the next question, which is how old were your children when they realized their friends were spanked by their parents? That's a that's an interesting question because I don't know if you've ever spoken about it with my kids. I I, I don't think they've ever come to me and be like, why do these... Why? What the hell? If I took my belt off in front of them, it's not like they would run in fear. They'd be like, why are you getting undressed out here? They would have no clue. So my kids might be somewhat sheltered to this. We don't live in an environment where you see kids openly getting whooped. <laughs> but I would say they're aware of what spanking is and that some parents do it. And it's just so foreign to them that it's it, it might as well be like watching a show in Mandarin. They just don't understand it. They just They have no idea what's going on. They don't get it. Why would a parent ever hit their kid? Yeah, I mean, it's like anything. If if it's foreign to your kids, they're they're really not going to understand it, right? If, if your kids are not raised with violence and do as I say, be afraid of me, threats, they're not going to understand why other people allow that to happen to them. They're just going to know it's wrong. Um, but I speak to my kids all the time about this subject, and even when they were younger. Um, you know, I distinctly remember a, a time with my son. He was playing with one of his friends. They were probably like three or four. And um, they were talking and the kid, you know, my son said, oh, let's go do this. And the, the other kid said, no, you know, if I do that in my house, I get spanked. And my son turned and looked at me and he said, dad, what's a spanking? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's like I said before, if, if your kids don't know. Right. And and now my kids are older and we talk about it all the time. And what we talk about are the psychological effects, the emotional effects that spanking has on the younger generation. We always hear that kids these days are messed up, that kids are fucked up. They don't have any um, respect for the law. They don't have any you know respect for their elders, um, which in, in, in one way is projection. Right. It's when you feel like shit, you're always going to see the worst in everybody else, right? Nobody respects me. Nobody loves me. Well, stop focusing on everybody else. Fix yourself. Um, but what we talk about is how there's so many young people who have all this pain inside of them. They've, they've come from childhoods where, like we said earlier, every day is threats, criticism, punishment, being beaten down like they're a second-class citizen, that they aren't even a human being. Their property that we just continually dump our shit on. So when these kids grow up, you know, this is to me, this is why you, you see a, a generation addicted to fentanyl and oxy, the, you know, the, the generation before and alcohol and all the addictions, all the things we use to hide this pain because there was so much trauma, so much punishment and so much abuse from childhood. And, you know, again, these are the conversations I have with my kids because they see it. They see it out in the world. They see everybody hiding and trying to change who they are and try to numb themselves. And I always I always say, you know, if we can get this to 
be something that people have a healthy attachment with, with raising their kids peacefully. It'll be generational. We'll, we'll have kids who, instead of wasting time trying to heal from their childhood, trying to get past all these vices and all these demons, the energy will be directed in such much better things. It'll be directed in taking care of yourself. How do we raise healthy kids? How do we get in better shape? How, you know, it, and it, it'll be more centered focused around us instead of all this external bullshit, right? Who do we vote in for next president? How do we get the government to spend less money? Never happening, you know, but we start to, we start to become solution-based, right? What could we do to make improvements? And uh, those are the conversations I have with my kids all the time. How can we better our lives? How can we be better people? No, I think that's well said. And it's interesting to bring it back to that, that not selfish, but that, that self angle on me, on us. What are we doing? How can we be better? I understand that these things are happening outside. My kids, I, I honestly am I'm confident in saying they don't know. They do not know what, what spanking is or why it would happen. So, so be it. You know, and it's one of those things, if, it, if they cross that path, if they ever exposed to it, it, it will blow their minds. And, you know, I, I would not be surprised if I heard them take a stand against it. You know, like, no, you shouldn't let your dad touch you. Like, I could see them leading like a little revolt, telling these little kids, like, no, rally up, stand your ground. Dad, come here. Go beat up this dad. That would be like, awesome. Six no, you can't go beat up. <laughs> I'm going to spank him. That's missing the point, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Greg K, firearms, at what age did your child or children express curiosity? I think kids are always curious about everything. You know, so guns are not off limits. You know, everything is interesting. Now, guns are one of those very violent weapons. It shoots a projectile at a speed that is beyond comprehension, and it can do damage that is irreversible. Once that bullet is shot, you cannot pull it back. You know, kids don't understand that. They see it on TV, they see it on cartoons, guns are different to them. I think the earlier you introduce and explain, as long as you're an intelligent human being who is well-versed and capable with them, you, you see all these YouTube videos of people leaving around in the chamber thinking they're cleaning it and they shoot themselves in the hand. That's not who I'm talking to. Those people don't understand that as, even as an adult should not be around firearms. But I have, I have a photo of my daughter, I think she's four years old, cleaning my Glock. Like I, I have my, my kids, I have got multiple videos out there of us at the gun range. So I've been as soon as they were capable of understanding and properly holding, they've just been around it their whole life. They understand that they are tools, not toys. You know, I don't think that there's, I don't think shielding your child from something that you might find as violent or uh, unnecessary for them to be introduced to. I think that's a detriment to them. Because it's the same thing as religion. It's the same thing as drugs. If they have no defense to it, and their first introduction is from somebody who doesn't have their best interests in mind, well, you're you're in trouble. And you know, I would never want my kids to go to a friend's house. Hey, you want to see my dad's gun? No, my dad's like I do not want to see your dad's gun. Like that should be locked away with your dad. Like your dad can talk to us about it and show us, but no, I do not want you to go grab a gun to show me. We don't play with guns because guns are not toys; they're tools. An adult should be around to properly handle them. No, so my kids are aware of that. If they see, honestly, if there was a gun on a table, my son knows how to clear it. <laughs> but I would never expect him to touch a gun somewhere that's just laying around. I would expect him to be like, "Hey, Dad, get on the get on the phone." You know, "Hey, there's a gun at this place," or "Hey, closest adult, there is a firearm over here. What are we doing?" And my kid, I would hope the two of them, I'm confident they would, but this has never happened. 
but would be able to get an adult and say, hey, this is not what right looks like. I understand how this is supposed to work. I understand the safety involved with it. I get it, but I'm not going to touch it. An adult should be handling this. If your kid doesn't know that and they view it's a toy, just like they saw on TV, you know, how many news stories do we have to read before we realize kids don't know? And then when the mistake is made, it's you can't take it back. Yeah, a gun is like anything else. You know, think of a car. We have to teach our kids to drive. A lot of people die in car accidents every day. We, what do we do? We we teach them, right? The, the curiosity um, is to show them how to do it properly, how to be respectful, and how to um, not hurt other people, right? We we want to make sure that they're good drivers. It's the same thing whether it's a gun or a car. Um, it, that's our responsibility as a parent to to get our kids to be prepared to navigate the difficulties of life. It's no matter what it is, it's all part of the process. Yeah, it's a hot topic. So people put more on it, but I, I, it's as simple as you said, same thing as a car, same thing as a lot of things out there. You shouldn't be touching it. Like my kids, they know not to drink energy drinks. If they go to their friend's house, Hey, you want six Red Bulls? No, man. No, I do not. (laughs) You want some, some alcohol? No, I'm good. Like this isn't for us. Why? Because I talk to them about it all the time. I talk to my kids probably way, way too much. <laughs> like we're always talking. And it was funny when you had shared one time, you know, like how you handle things. You're like, I talk to my kids a lot. I was like, I felt that. <laughs> like that, that one hit me right here. I'm like, oh, dude, like just sitting there and just talking about life and things and stuff. It's crazy. But I mean, that's that's necessary. Yeah. When, when my kids were younger, these conversations were not happening. Right. Fathers didn't have all these tools. So my go-to was to, to just keep talking my through my, myself through difficult situations, trying to find solutions myself. Um, you know, whether it was getting my kids to go in the car seat or getting them to go to bed, you know, anything that they didn't want to do, I had to find answers. I had to find solutions because back then I knew I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to force them. I didn't want to hit them. I didn't want to yell at them. That's not the dad I wanted to be. And I'm, I'm really thankful that it, that happened. I'm really thankful that I went down that route. All right. Next question. What is your biggest regret as a parent? I'm going to let you jump on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrolling through the hard ones. I'm like, oh, that's for Anthony. That's for Anthony. That's for Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say the biggest regret is that I, I didn't start this 10 years earlier. I'm 43 now. I started roughly around my late 20s, 30s. And the reason I say that, you know, you you can't go back and change time, but I wasted a lot of time working, right? I was a workaholic. I I wasted a lot of time in my business um, trying to make money, trying to provide. I always made excuses that, you know, if, if I stopped doing this, everything would crumble. You know, I was controlled by fear. Uh, safe to say that I, I sold my business three months ago and everything's fine. Actually, everything's better than it's ever been. <laughs> um, and, yes. And I would say that the reason why I had the regret is obviously I missed a lot of time with my kids, uh, but I was very intentional with that time that I had with them. But the regret is that I became a much better man, probably later than I should have in life. I started to care about myself more in my 30s, which I, I wish somebody was pushing me at my 20s, right? But I, 
my, my parents were great. My father was a hard worker. He still is to this day, real good work ethic, strong man. And he always pushed me in that aspect. So I always had that masculine role model. But, um, you know, he, he didn't take care of himself and he still doesn't. Um, he always tries to do the best for everybody else, right? He's always trying to put himself out there and help others and he gets beat up for it. So that would be my biggest regret is to, to learn that lesson sooner, you know, to learn, like you said before, Zach, be selfish, worry about me, take care of myself, know that I'm priority. And as a father, if you do that, that's the best lesson you can give your kids, taking care of yourself, building up to be a strong man, to handle life's challenges, to to be uh, more in touch with who you are and to really care about yourself. That's going to be the one of the greatest lessons you can give your kids. No, well said. It's a, it's a hard question because you really got to go through and kind of rip that bandaid off and talk about it. You know, but that, but that's that's why we do this. You know, these conversations aren't supposed to be easy. The conversations with your kids aren't supposed to be easy. The conversations we have with anybody that's that's watching this is not supposed to be easy. You know, my biggest regret as a parent, I hit one year of sobriety last week on the 7th. I should have hit 10 years. You know, there are a lot of decisions I should have made. And I understand the question is as a parent, but my parenting stems from me as a man. You know, for a long time, I was trying to be the person I thought I was supposed to be and not exactly who I was. And that came at the detriment to to the family, ultimately, because I wasn't living up to my ideal. I wasn't being my best. I was being the dude trying to check a lot of boxes for a lot of other people as well as myself. And when I made that shift to being full-time me, I was that's when things really locked in. That's when it was really go time. And, you know, the production, I mean, obviously you can see it online. What you can't see is what's happening offline. And that's greater connection, you know, just greater everything. Like you selling your business and things, that trajectory going up, but a lot learning a lot of lessons from that. Me coming to terms with being who I am and owning who I am, my past, my, my present, where I'm going, that is my version of like going forward. That's when the trajectory really started is when I accepted like, this is me. There, there's a lot of flaws, but there's a lot of features and I'm turning those flaws into features. And when I started doing that, you know, I became a better husband, a better father, a better son, brother, you know, all the, all the roles I feel I've gotten better at. Once I was like, this is Zach, like this, this is what you're getting. And I'm not going to try to be all these things that I think I'm supposed to be. I'm just going to be me. And in that I found I'm better with the kids. I'm better with my wife. And then, and then they're being themselves and they're seeing that there's no things to check. So hopefully through my example and not just my advice, they're seeing what right looks like when you just own who you are and you drive forward and, and then make the absolute best of that version of yourself, you know, and it's easy to fall into a lot of traps. You know, for me, it was alcohol. For some people, it's food. For other people, you know, it's it's X, Y, Z. But when you can avoid those or you can see you're stuck in a hole and you can decide, yo, I, I got to climb out of this. It's going to be hard to climb, but I've got to climb out of this. Then you're like, holy shit. When you're out of that hole, the, the view is so much more open. You're like, I was thinking six months in advance and now I can see five years ahead of where I want to go and what I want to do. That's a totally different perspective than, than seeing the, the edge of that wall. Well, I can go that far. When you're out of that hole, man, you can see way along the prairie <laughs> and it's a way better place to be. So I just wish I had done that earlier. And that's that's the main regret. You know, I, I initially I wanted to not talk about that. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I've spanked my kids probably five times. And when I say spanked, it was it was a swat on their they had a diaper on with jeans over it. And it was a swat in the butt. And even that is literally nothing. They don't remember it. 
I mean, between two kids, five times roughly, like they'll never know that even happened. But in my head, I lost patience and I hate the fact that that number is not zero. It should be zero, you know, and, and five's low, but it's not zero. And that bothers me for, for whatever reason. But the ultimate regret is taking too long to unfuck my life, <laughs> get myself out of that hole and seeing light years down the prairie. Yeah, man, it, it's it's tough when you look look back and you you see that you wasted time. You know, think about when you when you were saying that. I was thinking about FOE, the Fraternity of Excellence, and how so many men benefit from coming in and and having connection with other men who are trying to grow and become stronger. So when we take peaceful peaceful parenting and we we talk about, hey, you know, we we want to put in things systems in place that are, can maybe prevent our kids from wasting time. And it's not because we think we can control the outcomes of their of their life, but it's because we know what we went through, right? We were able to go back and say, hey, man, when I was in my 20s, this really fucked me up. When I was 15, this really destroyed who I was or who I wanted to be. So let me deal with that now instead of hiding from it and running away from it. This way I can start to implement better ways that I can help my kids when they're young, when they're when they're five years old, when they're 10 years old, when they're 15. And I might not have the answer for them, but I'm going to be connected to them instead of pushing them away. And then this way, when they get to be 25 or 30, they're not going out in the world looking for other people to connect to for help. They're, they're squared away. They're ready. And the, and the problem with that, the other, the other side of that is when you do go out into the world and you don't have an idea of what a good relationship is, more than likely, you're going to attach to other pieces of shit. You're not going to find groups like the fraternity with good men who want to see you win. That's the, you know, that's, that's the outliers. You're going to find other people who want to take advantage of you, the fucking vampires, the parasites, the, the narcissists, the people who are going to feed off your weakness. And we, we don't want to create our kids to become those people. We want to go the other way. You really do have to slay your dragons to show your kids how to slay dragons. You know, you, you can't talk about something you haven't done. And when they see you live it, they understand that that's the standard that they are to emulate. You know, yeah. I, it's important. It sucks, but it's important, you know? Yeah, well, you, you can take everything I just said off and just say, slay your dragons. That's perfect. It's all about efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you do when you see someone spanking or yelling at their kids? This is interesting because this came up also when we did that Twitter hangout. They're like, do you intervene or do you not? You know, what What do you do? And your your answer was interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I used to intervene. I used to say things back in the days, you know, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Stop hitting your kid. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's a tough spot because who really wants to be in that spot? Why would you want to, you know, you, you, the obvious and most, um, the biggest response that you get from that is, you know, these are my kids. Don't tell me how to raise my kids. Mind your business. Um, what that makes me think of is, you know what? Well, your kid might be going to school with my kid. They might be in the same class. So if I can prevent you from somehow damaging how you're, or, or actually impairing <clears throat> how your child solves conflicts, <clears throat> if he says, you know, when, when dad has a problem with me, he hits me. When I go to school and another kid has a problem with me, I'm going to hit them. I don't want my kid to be in that environment. Um, I'm getting a little bit off topic, though. Oh, roll with it, man. <laughs> that, that's, it's real, man. People need to hear it. 
So I think that's why we, we should say something. Um, obviously go about it in a, in a well-mannered way, um, you know, and and just be empathetic, be be understanding, you know, tell if, if you see another father hitting his kid um, or yelling, just, you know, ask him, what are you doing, man? What's going on? Why, why do you have to be mean to your kid? Do you think it's being effective or helping them? You're going to probably get pushed back. Nobody's going to want to hear it. But uh, like I said, in my mind, that's what I think of is that that child being in my child's life. I want good kid. I want my 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 son, my daughters, to not be around kids who who are overly aggressive. And every study shows that spanking your kids creates more aggression, right? It's everybody. Every parent says, "Oh, don't hit your sister," and if you do hit your sister, I'm going to hit you. And then the cycle just continues. They just keep hitting their kid, their siblings, because it's it's what we're showing them how to solve problems. When somebody doesn't listen to you, you hit them. Um, so. <laughs> out in public um you know hopefully we we don't see hopefully enough of these conversations we won't see that so often that's my hope well um, yeah you can't be throwing down uh, like chuck e cheese like grab like choke holding the dude because he grabbed his kid like at the same time i sort of circumvent the the parent altogether you know i i i was sharing this in the twitter hangout and if you're not following Kala or Save Your Sons, check them out because they they're running the cool thing, and I dig what they're doing. But those guys, you know, I was I was saying when I go to a cookout, when I go to an event or whatever, I'm normally where the dogs are or the kids are. You know, like like rarely am I sitting there holding my beer or sitting there taking a sip, like whatever. Like I'm like no, nah, like let's go play cornhole with the kids. Let's go shoot them with squirt guns. Let's go run around. Oh, the dogs are outside. Let's go throw them a ball or throw them a stick. That that's enjoyable to me. And when I'm at a party, I don't like to sit around and just talk. Like I talk enough at work. <laughs> I just want to go do something. I want to go be active. And most of the kids, they go out there. Unfortunately, a lot of fathers aren't very active. So when they see me out there doing things like, oh, look at this dude. There is an adult man looking to do what I want to do. Let's go hang out with him and do something with that dude. So now we're running around. I got the kids rallied. When I see like a parent laying into their kid, like, oh, you're supposed to share your Frisbee. Why aren't you doing this? We told you that to... I'll grab the kid. I'll like swoop in. Like, hey, man, come here. Oh, you want to learn how to throw a football? Oh, hey, dude, come on over here. I saw a lady. I was visiting my brother before he went on deployment who is still still kicking, still doing well. I can't wait for him to come home safe and sound back to the U.S. But we went to see him, and we were at a playground, and there was a kid who had something going on. You know, I, He wasn't all there. Whatever. I'm talking. I'm playing catch with my son, and the mom was laying into him because he wasn't doing something, and I have no idea who this kid is. He's handicapped, blah, 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 but he's getting laid into it. I'm like, nah, <laughs> we're not doing this. Not on my watch. That kid, I taught him how to throw a ball within two minutes and he didn't know how to throw a prior. He was flipping. It. it was all ridiculous. He was launching spirals to Coda, maybe 30 yards away. And, and he started getting it on the money consistently. And I don't, I don't even know this kid, but I got him out of that situation. I brought him over. I started talking to him. My family is like, who the hell stop picking up strange kids man and i'm like no he's, he's a cool dude he's real friendly he's 13 totally legit you know and he's throwing a ball and now my son has a friend they're playing around and this kid's entire experience from sitting there and crying at a playground to being able to play with another kid switched like that because a father stepped in and said hey come here you don't don't even worry about that there's so many ways to go about it now if i saw a, a total beatdown going on yeah i'd intervene but I've seen dads grab their kids, smack them in the butt. We're going to the car. We're going to do this. And in my head, I'm just like, 
man, imagine being that kid. His monster, the, the, the monster isn't under the bed. The monster is in his home and freely walking around, and he's about to be stuck in that car by himself. And what do I do? In that moment, what am I going to do? So I all I did was feel like shit for the kid and really remember why I do what I do here. You know, not every hill is the one to die on. <laughs> Getting into fights, is, it sounds cool. You can flex that online. Yeah, you get a lot of likes. But, dude, going to fight every person, hitting their kids, dude, you're going to get wrecked. <laughs> you can't keep the tempo up. <laughs> There's just so many people out there throwing down on their children. It's insane. So, again, my approach has sort of been the, the snatch and go. If I see it happening, I'll try to get them, pull them away from the parent and say, hey, let's have a good time because I want to go and have a good time. And why would I not want these kids to do the same? So that's sort of my way of dealing with it in stores in, in other things, though. You try to just be as positive as you can. Like, oh, you know, my kid also spilt the water one time at a Target. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Oh, don't worry about it, dude. Here, let me help you find a towel instead of them sitting there freaking out, laying into their kid. So there's a lot of ways you can sort of pacify the issue help them out without directly telling them stop being an asshole. Definitely. I've learned that those kids who always spill their drinks, it's almost premeditated. It's the parents who continue to yell at them to not spill their drinks. And what do you know? It goes right over. Um, you know, you, you condition them to be afraid to hold a freaking cup. But I think what we see with spanking, I mean, I, I see parents yelling at kids everywhere. It's, it's pretty common, right? They, they just talk to them. Like they're little pieces of shit. Um, I don't. I don't think the spanking thing is so prevalent in society, um, meaning that we see it all the time. I think a lot of parents do it behind closed doors in their home because they know it's wrong. I, I truly believe deep down they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong to hit a, a small child. So this is why you won't see it as often in public. You know, think about. If you saw a grown man hitting a, a woman, that dude's ass would be handed to him. Everybody would step in and intervene. I think the same thing with a child. Like if we saw a, a grown man or a grown woman really physically hurting a child badly, people would step in. There's there's no way they would allow it to to continue. I think the bad thing is is it's the little smacks, it's the pushes, it's the 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 um, the acts of aggression that aren't as violent as a severe beating that we let slide because maybe the kid's not crying. Maybe they're laughing when the parents is hitting them or chasing them around a store with a belt. Um, but it, my point is, is I don't think it, it doesn't make it right at all. You know, psychologically uh, what we're doing is we're, we're teaching our kids to fear us. We're teaching them to, to listen to us because of that fear. And there's, I don't think there's anything good that can come from it. Um, well, I know there's nothing good that can come from it. And just just because there's no bruises doesn't mean that there's no wounds, right? The, the the physical act is bad, but I think it's it's spanking is a psychological weapon as well. It's something that hurts the kids. It it destroys their character. It it makes them very uncertain about who to trust in the world and who's going to protect them. That that goes well into the question below from BK. So big shout out to BK. Solid dude. Good to see you, brother. All right. He says, Zach and Anthony, this discussion brings up the question of how can we control the environment around children once they leave the comforts of home? Dude, if you have the answer, let me know, man. <laughs> Every time my kids go out into the world, I'm like, fuck. 
<laughs> you know, I I try to instill the best I can in them. You know, I try to vet the families of, that they're going to their houses. A lot of the kids that, I, for my son at least, that he's friends with, you know, I've coached those kids. I know those families intimately from years of just interacting through sports. So we sort of have a good idea as to how that home's operating. I don't let my kids go to certain people's houses because I know what's going on in those homes as well. So that's that's how we're navigating that. For my daughter, it's much more difficult, at least for me, because I'm not I'm not immersed in the the cheer moms or the gymnastics moms. Like that's my wife. So it's it's sort of on Jackie for that. And she does really well because I ask a lot of questions and she knows what I'm gonna ask. How are they? How are those kids? You think they hit them? Like I go through all these things and I'm kind of vetting them. And she's like, no, that's a good family. You know, they're very well mannered, great relationship between the mom and dad. I'm like, all right, cool. So our daughter can go hang out with them. You know, it's it's difficult though. And BK, I'll be I'll be freaking honest, man. That's the hardest thing for me is when these kids go out to the world without me. I'm just hoping they do the right thing. And Anthony, your kids are older, so you you've lived this. I've had to I've yet to be at the point where they can drive. Yeah. I'm not at the point I'm where they're it now. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna that was my answer, but I know that's not from experience. So sort of what I gave you is my mindset on it. DK yeah. Anthony will he lived this man. <laughs> no, it's a good question. And I don't think you can control it, right? You you can't control it. <laughs> you can't control the environment. You what you can do is prepare your children to be comfortable with who they are, to be able to navigate difficulties. You know, we, we don't we teach kids how to solve problems by allowing them to fail, by allowing them to make state mistakes when they're younger. If we're always course correcting and we're always complicating things and we're always redirecting them to do what we want, they're never going to learn on their own. Uh, my 20 year, 20 year old daughter, Isabella is in Hawaii right now. <laughs> she decided to go. She's been there. I don't even know how long now, maybe over a month. And honestly, I wasn't worried. I, I, you know, she just said, dad, I want, she went for a week. She came back and then she's like, I'm going to go back for another few weeks. She loved it. She just loved being, obviously who wouldn't love being in Hawaii, but I wasn't worried about her getting into trouble or having problems or complications. I, I had a trust that what I was building for the last 10, 15, 20 years was going to be beneficial to her, right? It, it wasn't going to be something that was going to make her weak and submissive in the world. It was going to be something that was going to make her more assertive, stronger, and and better prepared for any challenges that come, anything that she had to face. So I, I don't think you can you, you can't control the environment. Um, and, and I'm speaking strictly for my kids being at the age where they're leaving the house. Uh, when they're little, absolutely. Like you said, Zach, you can control where they go, who they interact with, because you know, you're you're driving them. You're you, you have that power. Once they start getting their cars, once they start getting their own independence, <clears throat> that's when the real the real benefits of what we're speaking about you're going to see it in real life because you're not going to be able to control them at that age. And we we all know that we've all been teenagers, we've all been young adults. You're invincible. Nobody's controlling you. Nobody's stopping you. Um, so it's it's a testament to your parenting. It's a testament to the, the family that you've willingly put in the hard work to create, to to raise children of good character. And um, it all starts with you, right? To, to raise ch- kids of good character, you have to be a man of good character. And that is going to emulate, that is going to transcend into the world. 
So you, my point is, uh, BK, is you, I don't worry. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about controlling things. You just have to know that you're putting in the time and you're going to do the, the job right or you, the best to your ability. This way your kids are prepared. That last point's key. That last point is how I sleep at night, man. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can do. I'm giving them the best I can give. I'm erring on it. I I will always wish I had more time, but I, I wish that for everything, dude. I wish in business I had more time to write. I wish I had more time to record. I wish I had more time for everything, especially to interact with my wife and children. But I know, or I, I, I'm thinking right now, when they're going out and they're driving, I'll be like, I, I gave them all the tools. And then when they drive back, I'll be like, all right, tell me everything. And how did you do? And what was the breakdown? You know, like I said, I'm, I'm five years off from him being 16. And like, that's roughly the age when they start driving or whatever. So that's, we got five more years, man. And then let him do his thing. Like when, when you told me about your daughter going to Hawaii, I was like, dude, that's incredible. And then the other part of my brain was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, I don't want my kids to go across the world, you know, to an island. Like they're, they're at my house right now. So it's, I get it, man. The duality of being a father is like the duality of man. You're, you're the, the shield and the spear. You know, you're both. You've got to protect your family, but you've got to attack for them. You're, you've got to be able to hold the baby and you've got to be able to rip the throat out of somebody trying to break into your home. That's what being a man is. You know, as a husband, you've got to lead your woman and love your woman. You can't be too lovey, but you can't be too leady. You know, and with your kids, you can't keep them inside the home so they're safe because then they never grow. And your job is to get them to grow and to go out into the world to create their own legacy. So it's like, fuck. We have so much to do when they're at, they're at odds with one another. Yet the harmony together is so fucking beautiful. It, it's hard to put into words. No, so life is great, man. Parenting's awesome. <laughs> have more kids. It's it's a fun time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, have fun with it. We say that all the time, right? Enjoy being a parent. Enjoy being a father. Don't worry so much. Uh, the the worry comes from your inability to to parent properly, to be prepared, to not trust yourself, and that's the that's the shit you dump on your kids. So get more comfortable with who you are becoming as a man. Make sure you're doing the hard work. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. And that's going to radiate to your kids. That's going to ease a lot of the fears, a lot of the worry. Um, I I truly don't worry about my kids. I I don't worry about them. I don't try to control them. Um, Because the truth is you can't control anything. And you, you can't even control how they speak to you, what they tell you. That's all on them. You are their father, but you are at their mercy with the amount of information and how much they're going to share of their life with you. That's all on them. You you may think that you might know, right? You might you might believe that you're squared away and you're the dad and you know your your kids are well behaved, but you want them to share their life with you. That's human connection. That's what being a parent is. All right, we got another question for you. How do you deal? Let me rephrase. How should an individual deal with an ex who is spanking? So I think this is a shared custody issue. Yeah, this is a question that we, I don't know if it pertains to spanking. We hear often just in general, um, an ex that's toxic, that's really not parenting, whether that's abusive parenting or neglectful parenting, right? The other side of that is a, is a spouse and an ex who an ex who is uh, letting their kids do whatever they want, not really being a parent. So, what, what I tell what I tell guys, it's it's a tough situation because you're there fifty percent of the time. You can't control what goes on in the other home, but 
this is a perfect example for you or this is a perfect time for you to set the example of what good parenting looks like in your home. Uh, everything we spoke about today, being a peaceful parent, being a peaceful father. I'm going to direct this uh, right at fathers. So if it's a father who has uh, is co-parenting with their ex, with the wife, with the mother, when your kids are in your presence, make sure that that time is well spent. Make sure that you're you're engaged. Make sure that you're working the time that they're not there you're working on self-improvement you're listening to this podcast you're following our content you're learning how to be a better father so you so when you do have your children that time is going to be the the most influential and the most positive in building those kids to to become better people to become healthy and functioning adults uh, especially if they're at the ex's house and all they're getting is, you know, hard shit talking about you, her bringing strange and probably abusive men into their lives. We want to prepare them to deal with shit like that when they are at our house. And it's a tough spot, man. I, I feel bad for a lot of the, the guys who have to deal, deal with that shit and go through it because it's, it's nerve wracking, right? It's to, to have your kids somewhere else that you know you don't have control over or you can't help. You know, I'm going to agree. We, we've got something going in the chat that I want to directly address. Before we hit that, when you are sharing your kids, understand you are sharing your kids. Somebody else will have them and what they do with them, you do not get total control over. You you might even have no influence over. All you can do is influence those children. The time you spend with those children, though, as Anthony said, needs to be spent with those kids. It's horrible. Those are the worst conversations I have. Those are the worst interactions I have with men where they're sharing stories of, pain their kids are going through and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, that sucks. That sucks as a father to hear. That sucks as a man to hear. It's just overall a, a shitty situation. But those kids will grow up. Those kids will go out into the world on their own. And the hope is they'll remember that dad was always there. Dad was always there. Dad, dad never flinched. He was unwavering in his support of what they were doing. And you have to be supportive of what you're doing. Support them how you can. Meet them on their level and go all in. You only have them for the time that you have them. I can't wave a fucking wand. Neither can Anthony. We, we can't make up more time. We can't change the family law. So what can we do? We can get you to focus on what you can do with them when you're with them, which means when you don't have them, you're working on you and you're thinking about what you'll do the next time you see them. You'll remember to ask, how was that game that you went to? You'll remember to ask, how was your test? Write those things down. Come up with a game plan. R create a strategy so you can have, when they get here, we're going to try this. We're going to try this. Don't structure the whole day. Maybe, maybe the time they see you, you do, quote unquote, nothing, but that nothing time together is you relaxing and bonding and playing games or, do, or working together on whatever, you know, but you can only work with what you can work with. If you're listening to this, then obviously you're investing in yourself. So just take that next step and make sure you're investing everything you can into your children. All right. In the chat, Ian Simmons, I'm bringing this with nothing but all the respect in the world. Ian says, <laughs> Anthony used the word spanking. Spanking is not abusive. We had an episode where that was the first question. Is spanking abuse? Anthony and I both agree. Yes, it is. You are taking your hand and hitting a child. I, the word spank, the word discipline, skip it all. Let's be literal. You're winding up. You're putting pain on a child on their bare skin. Because of what? Because they spilled something? It's obviously contextual because they lied because of all these things, I'm always given these reasons as to why it's okay. 
We can justify spanking. And Ian, I'm glad you brought it up because nobody wants to talk about this. Normally they'll, they'll throw it, you know, a passing by chat. Oh, this is it. And then they'll leave Twitter or whatever or block me. So it's good to have this discussion. It's why we wanted to do this live. So with spanking, I firmly believe spanking is abuse. I believe there are so many other ways you can connect and course correct a child. So if a child is constantly lying, if a child doesn't want to go to bed, if a child, you know, I, I, mean, I don't even know. I can't even tell you the last time I hit my kids. I can tell you this. I do not hit my kids. And my kids are every single time we go out to eat. Let's not speak in absolutes. 99% of the time we go out to eat. I've got a waiter. I've got somebody. I've got the owner coming over. Those children are so well-behaved. My kids, when they play their sports, the coaches, your kids are so disciplined. It's funny how I keep getting these comments and I'm not beating my kids. How is that possible if spanking is how you discipline? If tough love is how you toughen them up? You know, you can develop grit. You can course correct behavior. You can do all these things by talking and communicating and educating your child without physically harming them or putting pain into their life. Being a dominant man means they follow you by inspiration. Being a domineering man means they're following you due to fear. If they're afraid you're going to hit them, they're not doing the right thing because you inspired them to do the right thing. They're doing the right thing because they're afraid of the consequences. That's fear-based actions. We don't need more men living in fear. That's my take on it. Anthony. <laughs> no, I to get that you, off my um, chest. <laughs> thanks for the question, Ian, or the comment. And it, it is, it's, you know, it's a conversation men need to have, fathers need to have. We, we can't shy away with it. We can't let it emotionally disrupt us and, and not have the conversation. So, you know, he said it, spanking is not abusive. You know, a, abuse is when you do something cruel or violent to another person. So I think spanking falls right in line with that. There's nothing that's good about it. Um, you know, we, we can say, and he also commented, you know, it's a little little hard love. So there's there's two things I want to touch on, on on that uh, subject. So when we say, um, you know, spanking is not abuse, of, of course it is, because violence and cruelty to another person is, is the definition of that abuse. And we know things are wrong because one person doesn't want that, want that action to be done to them. So how do we know assault is wrong, right? How do, how do we know that if, if I went up and hit another man, it's wrong? Because the other man doesn't want me to hit them. Or if, even if it was a woman, whoever it was. So that's how we know it's wrong. That's how we know it's violent. Same thing with a child. There, there's going to be probably not one child who, if a father was standing over them with his hand, which is probably five times the size of them, and said, do you want me to spank you? They're going to say, yeah, dad, I really like that. That's, that's great. I want you to hit me. I really want you to teach me a lesson. So th I just wanted to emphasize that. That's why it's wrong, because the other person does not want it to happen to them. That's why we know that rape is illegal and rape is immoral. One person wants to have sex. The other one doesn't. We don't force the other person to have sex with us. You want to hit your child. Your child doesn't want to be hit. We don't force them to be hit, no matter what the excuse is uh, or the reason. So and the other thing is, is when, he, when um, you know, we get the tough love, hard love argument all the time. Right. You, you got to give your kids some tough love so they grow up to to know there's consequences for their actions. I disagree with that. And I think it's more important that your kids know the meaning of words, that they don't confuse what love is with abuse. We don't say that we hit you out of love. My kids know that <clears throat> love means somebody that's going to 
stand up and willing to die for them. That's going to give them the best of them in their life. <clears throat> Every moral fiber of the goodness of who they are. They know that abuse is people who are going to hit them, impose force on them, be violent against them. So don't, don't mix that distinction. Don't confuse your kids of what goodness is and what evil is. This is how they grow up and they believe all the bullshit that they see on TV, all the, all the hypocrisy and all the shit that's contradicting. And, you know, you can do this. You can't do that. You can do that. There's no consistency. Let's make sure when they're young, we give them that consistency. We're really clear with our word. We're men of integrity. And we don't change the meanings of words because it makes us feel uncomfortable. That's not what men do. I hope Ian is still in the chat for, for a response. And and because very few men address this publicly. Like I said, I'll have Anon egg accounts hit me up. I, I rarely, I mean, this is going live. Rarely do I have somebody say, no, this is, this is where I stand on this. Let's talk about it. So it's a great discussion because there are a lot more men out there hitting their kids who will listen to this, yet not tell us. They'll say, oh, peaceful parenting, peaceful parenting. You got a line, whack. Well, what was the point of that YouTube video? You know, and I'll go so far as to say with love, if you truly, I love you, I want you to, to be better, all these things, then you need to love them enough to go against that initial urge for that emotional release. Love your child so much that you can repress the urge to just want to go and smash a wall. Because as men, as, as any high operating male in the world, there are times where things just hit you and you're just like, I just want to destroy something so I feel better. And it, that's why it's cool. You smash a wall. You're like, all right, whew. Yeah, it's just your kid though. Exactly. But when that comes in, it's the kid causing the problem. The kid should not receive that wrath. Love them so much. You're like, all right, I need to go lift. I need to go for a run. I need to go. And then there's so many things. There's so, so much you can go and do to express it. But I mean, the same thing with your wife, same thing with work. You shouldn't be breaking TVs or, or punching holes in walls or all these things. What you should be doing is putting in the reps to making yourself a better man and to not allowing yourself to hit that level. So you had Ian commented back to you, which is awesome. And I'm throwing it out there. Thank you, Ian. I'm, I'm, again, I enjoyed this discussion. So I'm in my mid-30s. So this is back in the day. I'm also mid-30s. I'm 34. I got spanked. It came out just fine. I also got spanked. But that term just fine, we're definitely going to hit on. Not saying I would do it to my children when if I finally have them. I still love my parents for it. Ian, this perspective, dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is like the, the ultimate response we get every time we bring this up. It covers, I turned out fine. I still love my parents. All these great things. Yet, in why would you go to hitting your kids? You know, I love my parents too. They never had a smartphone in their life and I use a smartphone. Sometimes you got to evolve. Sometimes you've got to change. Sometimes you've got to do things a little better. Sometimes you've got to take what worked and then you see an example of what didn't work, what not to be. I was also spanked growing up, but I don't hit my kids. I think I turned out well. But let's rewind a little bit. I had to get sober. I had to go through a lot of emotional issues. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of things that I grew up, you know, not liking about myself that I had to overcome. Did I really turn out all right? Or what would my life have been like if I wasn't spanked and I was in a relationship that was conducive to optimizing my growth in a peaceful manner? I'll never know because I didn't live that life. But I can't say just because I'm a functional adult, all those hundreds of thousands who are on drugs right now or in horrible relationships, they don't count. It's almost like we're making the exception the rule here. I don't know. I'm just saying. There, there's there's two ways to look at this, Ian. <laughs> oh, man. So this is the first thing I thought of, Zach, 
we and this is to me this is so crazy how we formulate ideas and we see how the world works so ian said i still love my parents for it <clears throat> so we just described physical abuse spanking hitting violence towards another person cruelty and we you know we, we have um take the issue of domestic violence a a let's just we're going to use the the practical terms a man hitting his wife we would never accept that that as a form you know if that woman said oh i still love my husband after he beat me right after he hit me we wouldn't accept that we would tell that woman to leave the relationship it's no good it's violent he's abusive but when we take the same scenario and we say not only were we not an adult right so a, a woman chooses to get into a relationship with a man she can leave but when she voluntarily chooses to stay there and take the abuse, we tell her to leave. A kid does not get to choose his parents. He doesn't choose to leave. But when they get hit, we accept it. And not only do we accept it, as we grow up, we, stay, we say we still love our parents for it. So it's, it's really a, a bad – and I'm not saying to hate your parents, but I don't understand how we can take two things that are so similar – and distort and twist them in, in such a bad way that um, let me think about this, that, you know, our, our parents, we, we still love our parents for abusing us when we were younger, where we would never tell a person to stay with another person who was abusing them. We would never tell them that, no, you don't love them. That's not what love is. So it's, I think it's, this is something that needs to, I think I need to think about that and process that a little bit more, those ideas. That's what I really dig about it, though. And that's why with the lives and they throw in a lot, it really is the hot seat. You know, this is a complex issue. You know, well, I turned out great. But did you or did you, in spite of your youth, turn out OK? Again, that's why when I look at my other timeline, how much further could I be? It doesn't matter at the end of the day, you know, but the fact remains, nothing about corporal punishment is conducive to getting the best out of your child. My son is strong. Not because I hit him, but because he plays a lot of sports, because I am strong and I set a good example, because I put him into challenging situations, and because I'm there to help him understand that when he falls down, he gets back up. That is building a strong character. The kids who are getting smacked around, well, that'll toughen him up. Now, that's going to put a lot of hate in them. The kid, he's not tough. He's just angry. Your kid isn't the tough kid walking around. He's the one who's fighting the other kids because he's mad. That's not being tough. That's not true masculinity. That that's I, that's not even repressed masculinity. That's distorted. That's manipulated and, and like angry manhood. Now he's gonna be the kid who's like, well, by flexing everybody, by being domineering, I'm the bigger man because my dad hit me, and I had that's what it is, man. And now I'm gonna hit my kids, and that's gonna make them strong, bro. At some point, we've got to break the cycle. You know, your parents were poor. Does that mean you need to be poor too? My parents were poor and they loved me. I should be poor too. I love my kids like that. No, get rich. <laughs> my parents hit me. I love them. I'm going to hit my kids. No, stop hitting them. You know, there's there's so many examples that if you plug and play, it doesn't fit. It only fits in this one situation for certain people pushing that angle. And again, it's you you can see uh, with, with Ian, you know, he brought up uh, using exercise as punishment and these other things. You can almost see in the writing and Ian, again, this is with all the respect in the world, but there's still some question questioning there. Well, maybe I won't spank them, but I'll have them do push-ups. 
See, you're already saying I shouldn't hit them. You just can't come all the way out because if you come all the way out and say, well, I'm not going to hit them, there's a fear of your children being weak. And that's that's where this is based. There's a fear that you're going to raise kids who will be taken advantage of because maybe you were in your life or, or something along those lines. And fear-based decision-making is always poor. It, it never, it, it, it's never a positive, you know, with abundance. I don't, I'm not worried my child, my son or daughter will be weak. I'm not worried that my, they'll be taken advantage of because I don't hit them. You know, I don't believe that corporal punishment, it plays a role into the development of their optimal character. And when I say optimal, I keep using that word intentionally. The best they can be health, wealth, relationships, mental, spiritual. I'm saying across the board. That's why I'm using that term optimal because it's not just one thing. It's literally their whole life. I think they'll be better with money if I don't hit them. I think they'll be better with their relationships, their their personalities, their their sports. I think they'll be better in all these things. And when you point out guys who had rough upbringings, Mike Tyson, bro, that wasn't like the most optimal upbringing, yet he crushed motherfuckers. For every Mike Tyson, you've got 40 crackheads in the alley, you know, <laughs> if not more. So like if and even Mike there, <laughs> there's a lot going on. But you look at these guys, you can't say, well, that dude turned out all right. Well, there's a lot who didn't. And let's look at those guys. Because for the one dude who made it through divorce court, you never see somebody say, oh, he he made it through family law just fine in divorce. Divorce is okay. No, it's not. Because there's a lot of examples as to why it isn't. I think corporal punishment falls into that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> now, like you said, Zach, if, if you want to your kids to be the best that they can be, we have to be the best that we can be. And uh, Mr. Finn commented in the chat to avoid using exercise as a disciplinary act because uh, it, it creates a, a negative association, a negative attachment to exercise. If every time your kid has to do exercises because they did something wrong, that's what they're going to expect, right? That exercise is wrong. It's the same way when we force our kids to eat foods that they don't want to eat. And and. Well, the intention is, oh, like you said before, I don't, I, you know, I don't want my kid to be weak, so I'm going to force him to do exercise when he disobeys. I want my kid to have good nutrition, so I'm going to force him to eat a whole bunch of broccoli, even though he's not hungry. So when we can get rid of those really negative parenting techniques, that's when we can be more creative. That's when we can say, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have to hit my kid. Maybe I don't have to force him how to eat his food. Maybe there's other fathers who talk about this shit weekly on Zooms and they find solutions to problems. Maybe I need to start changing my circles. Maybe I need to get away from my parents or my grandparents or my uncles. Maybe I need to get away from my friends who hit their kids. Maybe I need to be around people who have good values, who are men of good character. And and in the same way that we would do that with finance, right? If you're poor, you stop hanging out with all your poor friends and put yourself in an uncomfortable spot with people who are making money and they're going to start telling you the, the tools of the trade, right? The secrets, what they do, but you can't stay stuck in the old mindset. So when you come around other good men, successful fathers, you can't go into their circles and say, yeah, but I was spanked and I turned out fine. Bullshit. We're not going to buy it because we have all this work that we've been doing for years that shows otherwise. And, and that's where you want to be. That's how we improve ourselves. That's how we improve our kids. And we, we create better families. That's well said. And on that point of the weekly Zooms, like I said, stay tuned. We've got a big project coming down the pipeline. We could dive into this. We could stretch this one out. But I'm going to leave it with, with Ian, with that point on that, that final, hey, I hit my kids. I turn out all right. 
So next week, we're coming back. We'll be doing this again. We'll be bringing more questions. We've got a few topics. There are a couple people we're looking to get on here. But this is going to be something that's continuing. Like I said, the, the discussion needs to be happening. And it's not happening from a masculine perspective. So we're going to take that to, to the mainstream. We're going to take this message to the places where a lot of people aren't ready for it. You know, what happens when motivated, driven fathers are talking about fatherhood? Not dad blogs, not mothers. You're talking about peaceful parenting, all those things. What about two men who are on a mission are talking about peaceful parenting? Are talking about raising your kids? You know, and both of us with the, the credentials, with the proven track record through their families. You have my kid on here talking to you, you're going to be like, that kid's squared away. You get my daughter, you get Anthony's daughters on here talking, like, holy shit, like, what's up with these kids? You know, you see us with our families, and you're going to see something that you've not seen in many other people. And that's, well, this woman's talking about peaceful parenting, but her kids hate her. Now, that's not what we're talking about. Well, that dad blog, he's saying he's a peaceful dad, but he's also, you know, extremely overweight, very sensitive, and hyper-emotional. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're dropping ourselves into an ocean that's not ready for us. So you guys stay tuned. This has been an awesome discussion. Ian, dude, I'm glad we we crossed paths because that was it was cool to see you drop it on there. I saw that you came here from George Bruno. So that was an excellent discussion I had with him. George is a solid dude. Great man. But I mean, we're going to be continuing to bring this forward. So Anthony, before we hop off, where can these people find you if they want to hit you up and talk a lot of shit about how you're not hitting your kids? Yes. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. I encourage it. Uh, peacefulfathers.com and peacefulfathers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, any, like you said, Zach, any questions, uh, any, anything that you need help with, right? That's why we're here. Ultimately, we're, we're not, the purpose of this is not to tell you what you did wrong or what you're doing wrong. It's to provide answers, to provide help, uh, to share what we've done in our own lives. Like Zach said before, it's credibility. We live this, this is our lives. We, in every area that we look to, um, excel and succeed, we put in the time we put in the energy and we make sure that it's from, you know, our own credibility, that we're not just talking shit. We really want to help fathers. We want to help men. And, um, you know, this is, this is I'm excited to, to be a part of it. And we, we do have some big things coming down the road. You know, we say, be the change you want to see. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We, we are living this. This is our life. There's been a lot of overlap over the years between Anthony and I. And we decided, you know what? We want this to be better. So let's just make it better. Because the world isn't fixing itself. So let's be that light that lights the, the rest of this world up and lets people see, you know, connected children don't come from hit from, from hitting. Connected children don't come from the yelling. We don't have to be operating at level 10. We can dial things back in all of our lives and our children's as well. So make sure you like, subscribe, spread the good word. And again, stay tuned because big news is dropping next week. This is Zachary Small and Anthony Miglarino on Peaceful Parenting Q&A. You guys take care. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at the fraternity of And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Zach small underscore.